Welcome to MASH Forever. My name is Carrie and I'm hosting this podcast and very exciting uh, to be here again. I had a little bit of a break and I'm back and I am doing this podcast as a tribute to my favorite show ever. I've been a fan for over 40 years and I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. So uh, right now I'm trying to do episodes once a month. When I get situated on the East Coast, I'm moving from the West Coast to the East Coast. When I get situated on the East Coast uh, midsummer, I'm going to try to start doing these twice a month. And very excited about that. And to get us started today, I always want to talk about current events or new things or new and different things. And I have a few things I want to talk about today, which are uh, some are fun, some are sad. So why don't we start with the sad ones, then we'll move to the fun ones. Um, so the sad news, and most of you have probably already heard this, Eileen Saki, who played Rosie, passed away on May 1st of this year. Oh, just a few weeks ago, I'm recording this on May 14th. And that was very sad. I actually got the chance to meet her. My friend and I did at the 50th anniversary celebration of the show that took place at Malibu Creek State Park last September. So she was very, very nice and very seemed very surprised by the, all of us standing there <laughs> wanting to talk with her, get our pictures taken with her. And it was just really neat. She just seemed like a very, very nice, very, very nice person. And I also went back and I listened to the interview that was on MASH Matters podcast on January 31st, 2022 where Jeff Maxwell and Ryan Patrick interviewed her. And it's a really good podcast if you get the chance to listen to it. It's number 76 on the MASH Matters podcast. And then Judy Farrell, Mike Farrell's former wife, uh, passed away April 2nd in L.A. And that was that was a sad moment when I heard about that. I uh, had a brief, brief encounter with her. She seemed very nice and uh, very brief. And she actually became... I don't know if a temporary or permanent admin on our mash the series page so all of a sudden it was like she was there and we're kind of talking to her a little bit she, i don't know how much she did but it was kind of cool that she was associated with us for a time so mash the series has a facebook group and a private page and she was associated with us for a time uh, not very active but still was aware of our page and so that was kind of neat that that I had that interaction with her and our, our little group had that interaction with her. Uh, the, going on to some some happier things is Loretta Swit and Jamie Farr look like they are scheduled to appear at the Colorado Springs Comic Con uh, this summer, August 25th through, through the 27th in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And then they are also scheduled to appear at the Tampa Bay Comic Convention, July 28th and 30th. So again, in Colorado Springs and in Tampa Bay. And I'm getting this information from the internet and I don't have any special way of finding this stuff out. I just, I'm always kind of scouring to find out where they're gonna be appearing. And I'm always like, can I get there? So I'm always, always looking for that. So next, I wanted to mention there are auctions happening right now to auction off some of the MASH stuff. And right now there is the signpost is up for auction. One of the signposts uh, that has a reserve of $100,000. Uh, they also have a 
uh, loudspeaker from the show um, and a Korean War era U.S. Army Signal Corps field switchboard and radio transmitter from the show. They also have an officer's tent showerhead. There's also a glass piece of the still. Kind of cool. There's a no smoking sign that was on the show that has a current bid of $925. And there's also a hand stenciled sign from the show. Current bid, $370. So those are the items that I know that are up for auction. And this is through Heritage Auctions. And uh, kind of cool to... Uh, take a look at those items, see if you want any of them, see if you want to bid on any of them. I bid on four of them, and I've been outbid, and I'm not sure I'm going to continue, but I might, I might. I don't know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but kind of fun, kind of fun. Um, if I had 100000 laying around, I would definitely buy the signpost. I think that would be really cool to own. Uh, it looks small here, but I can't imagine that it would be small, but... <laughs> absolutely no idea how big it is oh it says how big it is uh let's see here oh boy i wonder how big it is it must say how big it is looks tiny but i'm sure it's i'm sure it's you know the size that it looks like on uh on tv so it's kind of cool and there's other things that they're auctioning off um during during the auctions, I saw that they might be doing uh, Cheers stuff, All in the Family. So if you're into any of those shows, you might want to take a look at this Heritage Auctions. It's called the World's Largest Collectibles Auctioneer. So take a look at that and see if there's anything that you want to bid on. Kind of, kind of an exciting uh, moment to get some of those items man i wish we could all go together and like all go in together and buy this hundred thousand dollar signpost but doubtful 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 then we would need you know a hundred of us putting a thousand in right if i'm doing the math right but anyway <laughs> i don't know where you'd store it no a hundred yeah a hundred times a thousand yeah no i'm not doing the math right on that oh man it's too late in the day right now. 100 times 1,000. Yeah, 100,000. I did the math right. <laughs> anyway, um, but take a look at that. See if there's anything you want to bid on. But again, Heritage Auctions. Um, it's kind of cool that, that I found this uh, site. Somebody had posted it on somewhere on Facebook recently. And I thought, oh, take a look. And I'm always on the lookout for stuff. Always, always, always. I have a extensive collection of mash stuff that I've been collecting since I was nine or 10. My first collectible item was the Margaret Houlihan doll and uh, carried that everywhere. So I was young enough at that point to carry a doll around with me still. So that was, I was what, fifth grade, fourth grade? Fifth grade? I don't even remember. One of those years it was like, oh my God, the Margaret Houlihan doll carried that everywhere. So I am going to talk today about MASH the Series. There's a group, a private group, and a fan page. And there are Did You Know Facts posted every single day of the week by BJ Hicks. And these have been uh, published every day for the last few years, at least, that I've been involved with the Facebook uh, group and page. And there's always this little snippet about the show. It could be about the characters. It could be about the actors. It could be about 
anything. And I really appreciate that because a lot of us, MASH is not just a TV show, it is a lifestyle. Like I will go out of my way to figure out how to go see something or go here or go there or go here. And my next thing I'm gonna go do is see the signpost at the Smithsonian this summer. I'm hoping to drive through DC very quickly and go see it. Waiting to see how my summer drive across country uh, goes and be able to do that. So I will keep everyone posted if I go there. And I also have an Instagram account called mash.forever. So I'll definitely post stuff on there if I, <laughs> if I can get to DC this summer. <laughs> anyway, okay, so let's go, let's uh, read through some of these did you knows. I'm gonna pick out the ones that I found really fascinating or interesting to share. And there might be some in here that aren't that interesting to you, or they might be, or you might wanna check them out, or you might wanna share them on your own pages. Uh, but all of these are really cool because, you know, some of it is really obscure information about the show. And if you're like me, it's like, wow, I, I really did want to know that, you know, always expanding my knowledge about the show. So the first one was actually today. I wake up in the morning at like between five and six and I look at these did you know. So it's probably the first thing that I do is these pop up, pop up on my feed first thing in the morning. And before I get out of bed in the morning, I'm looking at these. So this one I love because I knew this fact, but it got buried in my memory bank somewhere. Um, recognize Keen Curtis, who played Colonel Wortman in Iron Guts Kelly. And I do recognize him. Uh, he had a recurring role in Cheers as John Allen Hill, the snippy owner of Melville's, the restaurant above Cheers. So if anybody watched Cheers, you would recognize him uh, as the owner of the restaurant above Cheers. And speaking of Cheers, has anyone been, been to the Cheers bar in Boston? I'll be living, eh, not close to it this summer, but I'll be, I'll be close enough to it uh, to be able to go back and visit that. So kind of cool, kind of cool. Um, so that, that was, I, I thought that was a great, a great fact uh, to start everything off with. And then let's see here. Uh, the next one is, let me see here. I'm going right down the list. Uh, some of them are gonna be good ones. Some will be interesting. So a smattering of intelligence was the directorial, directorial I don't even know if I pronounced that right, debut of Larry Gelbart in TV's MASH, The Ultimate Guidebook. And if you don't own The Ultimate Guidebook, you need to own it. It's the, it's, huge and it's got all sorts of information about it about the show uh larry gelbart said this was the first of the half dozen or so epi episodes i directed i cannot tell you what a great help uh gene reynolds was first encouraged me to doing it to do it at all then being a tremendous help encouraging me to do it all oh wait yeah First encouraging me to do it all, then being a tremendous help, explaining the process as I went through it. I truly couldn't and wouldn't do it without him. It's nice to know that the episode has a different feel to it. The best part of directing was the ability to keep shaping the episode, to take advantage of the extended period, to refine it, and improve what had already been written and rehearsed. So that's kind of cool. That was a mouthful. <laughs> and by the way, I don't always go back to edit these. Um, so these are, you know, I, I, I do mess up occasionally on these. Uh, so I apologize for that. Um, I just don't have 
great editing skills. If anyone out there uh, ever uh, has good editing skills, I uh, would greatly appreciate talking to you. I also sometimes get my friend to help me out with the editing and I greatly appreciate you, Becky, for doing that stuff. Um, but I don't always like to ask her because I'm always asking her to do it. So if anybody else knows how to do uh, some of the editing, that would be awesome. Okay. Next one is, there are some good ones in here. The one about Dynamite Magazine. Dynamite Magazine was sold, I believe, Scholastic Book Fairs back in the day in elementary school. And the MASH cast was in Dynamite Magazine. Does anyone remember Dynamite Magazine? That was so much fun. I loved, loved, loved that, uh, that magazine. So MASHCast was in there. So next one, in the OR in Carry On Hawkeye, Hawkeye tells Radar, you're a good man, Tiny Tim. In addition to making a joke about Radar's height, it's also a wink to Gary Berghoff's title role in the off-Broadway musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And I sorta knew that, sorta, sorta, sorta. <laughs> sorta kinda knew that. Did anyone else know that one? Okay, next one. Starting out, Gene Reynolds told the cast to feel free to suggest any directors that might fit with MASH. So Loretta Swit was responsible for bringing Jackie Cooper on board. They had worked together in Stand Up and Be Counted. Cooper went on to direct 13 episodes in the first two seasons. And uh, let's see here. Uh, next one. The plot of the sniper marked the only heated argument between Larry Gelbart and Alan Alda. Gelbart had written that the doctors asked HQ for someone with a gun to take out the sniper who was terrorizing the camp. Alda objected to that notion, arguing that doctors would never ask for someone to be killed. They went back and forth and there was no resolution. Later that night, Alda went to Gelbart's house, apologizing and offering up a solution. They sat down and hammered out a script that night that they're both happy with. And in the sniper, you know, if if you watch if you've watched it, you know that it ends it ends on a very I don't want to say touching moment. It ends right. It ends with the guy with Hawkeye going out to tend to his wounds. And I just, that's a powerful moment. You know, it's like you're in the middle of a war. Doctors are trained to do no harm and to do their best. So it's really a conflict of values um, that, go, that go on in a war. Um, you know, where you've got people being killed and doctors have to save, save them and go back out. Some of the soldiers go back to the front lines and that's a hard one. That's a hard one about war in general. Uh, next one, this one's a, a little more lighthearted. Um, when sleep deprived Hawkeye tows the latrine away and Dr. Pierce and Mr. Hyde with General Clayton inside, there's no hole under the latrine, under the latrine, just solid earth. I had never noticed that before. <laughs> Never, never, ever, ever noticed that before. Uh, next one. This one. This one's kind of fun. One of uh, Jeff Maxwell's prized possessions is an early MASH poster that has a character, character, caricatures of the cast. Say that three times fast. 
He had everyone sign it, McLean Stevenson wrote, then turned them over at night, referencing the line that Frank says to Igor about painting rocks on the compound in the trial of Henry Blake. That script was written by McLean Stevenson. I thought that was kind of funny. Turn them over at night. They're painting them white, so they need to flip them over so that the enemy doesn't see them. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Next one is, let's see, where are we on the list here? Um, Let's see here. Let's see here. Corey Fisher, the guitar-playing dentist, Captain Phil Cardozo in Five O'Clock Charlie was also in the movie MASH as Captain Bandini. I did not know that. No. And then the next fascinating fact, this this didn't turn into a did you know, but it could be. It could be. The MASH historian uh, mentioned this on his uh, Instagram and I think Facebook page. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I was not aware of this, so I want to thank the MASH historian for this one. So the Life magazine, there's three versions of it. Who knew? I did not realize there were three versions. There's a MASH movie, kind of 50th anniversary one that came out in 2020. There's the one that came out in 2022, that's the 50th anniversary of the show. And then this one is 50 years, as a 50 year little little uh, circle on it top top right of the page uh who knew who knew that one um that there's three different versions so i think i have all three i really try to get um yeah i really try to get a lot of versions of that for sure for sure okay next one there was a storyline pitched by margaret uh that margaret wanted to transfer out a nurse who was too attractive and she felt threatened. Loretta Swift fought and won against the story because she viewed Margaret as the best nurse in Korea and as such she would never she would never throw away a perfectly good nurse, especially when all the nurses were volunteers. I thought that was an interesting fact about nurses in Korea. Um that they were not paid. They were volunteers, which is which is kind of amazing if you think about it. Yeah, we're going to send volunteers to a war zone. So I just, I don't know. That didn't seem, I don't know. Something about that didn't seem quite right. Um, so next one, when Father Mulcahy was talking to Colonel Potter and Strange Bedfellows, he said that he's seen the Sixth Commandment take quite a beating while living in a war zone. It's actually the Seventh Commandment that addresses adultery. The Sixth Commandment is... Thou shalt not kill. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, next one is not only was not Leslie Nielsen, Capital Cap, uh, Colonel Buzz Brighton, the only guest actor to be listed as special guest star during the run of the series. He was the only person ever regular cast or guest to appear in all the credit screens. Alan Alda didn't have that honor, not even in the Hawkeye episode where he was the only one who appeared in the episode. And I remember that. I remember thinking that was strange that he, all of the other cast appeared in the credits, but didn't appear in the episode. I always thought that was kind of strange. Um, next one is when Frank is talking to Henry in the dentist tent in Major 
Fred C. Dobbs. You can clearly see Larry Linville mouthing McLean Stevenson's lines. <laughs> I, need, I need to go back and look at that one. I do. I really do need to. Yeah, I I think that would be that would be fun to to watch. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay. Next one is these are these are just so much fun. Uh Dear Dad was a groundbreaking episode. It was this, as it was the first multi-storied show written for TV. CBS was initially concerned that viewers would not be able to follow the fractured storage storytelling. However, it served to make the show richer as people thought MASH was an hour-long show as opposed to 30 minutes. Now, if you think about that, that's amazing. 50 years ago, they didn't do that kind of storytelling. Now I think about my favorite, my favorite TV shows and it's all fractured storytelling. Like they go from this scene to this actor to this scene with these characters and then back and, and it's multiple storylines in most in a lot of TV shows now. So I can't even imagine. Um, there was a day that really didn't do that. Like it, that just absolutely boggles my mind that they did not do that. Um, and so it's amazing to see how television has changed from, you know, I Love Lucy in the 50s to today where Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz were married off you know off screen and then they played on screen married a married couple and they didn't even have this have they had twin beds <laughs> you know in their bedroom you know that you couldn't back in the 50s you couldn't you couldn't uh be in the same bed boggles boggles the mind and if you think about how things have progressed from you can't sleep in the same bed with your spouse in the 50s to hey whatever goes depending on what channel you're watching on tv now so the next one is henry please come home is one of the few instances in which the interior of the mess tent is shown at the outside location the outdoor location at malibu creek state park it was it was known as the uh, ranch back then it's malibu creek state park now and I always wondered about that. Is that was that is one of the one of the only episodes that that is done. Next one in his archive of American television interview, Larry Gelbart recalled that he had originally written Hawkeye's being married when he wrote the pilot. That would be interesting. That would have been a very different show had he been married. I I really I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would have liked it as much. Who knows. Next one, Sorrel Book, who was General Wilson's Balding Barker and Requiem for a Lightweight, all, also played Alan Alda's father in the 1963 movie Gone Are the Days. And do we know where Sorrel Book played, where, what he played on uh, in the late 70s and I want to say early 80s? Dukes of Hazard. He was Boss Hogg. For those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, that was that was the show to watch. That was the cool show to watch back in the day, especially with car, with the General Lee that would jump and land and just do all these stunts and it was it was just when you were a kid in the 70s, that was the coolest thing. So I will do a few more of these today. In Give and Take, the charity collection officer was just that, an officer. Sergeant Klinger was an enlisted man, not an officer. Thus, he could not have properly carried out that task. 
And I did not know that detail at all at all. Next one, it's revealed in Settling Debts that Colonel and Mrs. Potter's anniversary is February 2nd, Groundhog Day. And that that one's kind of ironic because Groundhog Day, it's like I live on the West Coast currently and I've been here for over 25 years and on and off. And um, Groundhog, Day, Groundhog Day is not a thing out here. And so it is totally a thing back East. And so it's, it's interesting uh, that... February 2nd is revered in on the East Coast, but not so much on the West Coast. Like, I think that if I said Groundhog Day to any of my friends out here, they'd be like, what? <laughs> huh? So anyway, uh, next one is, here we go. Let's see here. Uh, I don't know how well I'm going to do with this last name, but I'm going to give it a try. When Colonel Potter is reading the not really from Marilyn Monroe telegram to the troops and bombshells. You can see Gerald O'Laughlin mouthing the words too. I always find that fascinating that we don't notice these things when we're actually watching the show or I don't, I don't notice these kind of things. I'm watching for other things. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. And it's like, I don't notice. I just don't notice these things. Um, (laughs) Just don't notice these things. I wish I did. I wish I wish. And the, let's see here. Uh, David Ogden Stiers was famous for being a jokester on the set of MASH. He recalled there was a lot of joking on the set. We saved up one morning a whole bunch of pancakes left over from the mess. And the minute Alan Alda had finished talking, we landed about eight of these hard, cold things on him. Ah, it was wonderful. Um, I would love to have seen them interact in real life. And I know they've acted post-MASH together. Um, just had a really, really interesting dynamic. Uh, the characters, and I, I wonder how the actors got along. Last one, and this, did you know, is kind of a sadder one, um, but it it talks about my, a couple of my favorite kind of com- comedy movies of the 80s. Uh, so David Graff, who played Lieutenant Spears in A Holy Mess and, uh, and was a star in the Police Academy series, died of a sudden heart attack just a few days short of his 51st birthday. It seems that he followed a tragic family tradition as his father and grandfather also died of a sudden of sudden heart attacks at 51 years of age. He was the person on the Police Academy, movie, Police Academy movies that was like super into guns and super into like, like just, I don't know, super military guy. And just, he was hilarious. And his interactions with G.W. Bailey's character in the Police Academy movies was just the funniest thing. So I ever get the chance to watch the Police Academy movies. I always like the first one the best. And then, you know, as they do Police Academy 2, 3, not as good. But if you ever get the chance to watch G.W. Bailey and David Graff in these movies really 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 fun just just kind of stupid humor fun um but a lot a lot of fun okay we're gonna end on a not so sad note um during margaret's bowling scene and sons and bowlers there's an extra pin that gets thrown in from the left hand side to help ensure her strike i always wondered how she got a strike in that moment when i got older it was like how how did that happen like it, it's not easy to throw a strike and you've got to like really practice and i i used to practice a lot when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I'm not as good. And so 
I would was thinking they would do like many many takes of that. So so it looks like it was it was rigged that she got the strike. But anyway, we'll never know. But it looks that way. Okay, so I'm gonna end here. I hope to be back in June with another episode of Mash Forever, and I hope you have a great day and great month.